0: James chapter 1,
1: the book of James
0: chapter 1, we are thankful again for this service, and I know we're looking forward to going to the creek once again, a little while, so I know we had a little bit of a short song service, but we'll continue our service there on the creek bank here in a few minutes, but I do have a thought I want to try to get across, in fact, uh, we've been studying the thought of being surrounded by our enemies, and we're, if you just watch the world, it seems like the world is at war against itself. It seems like people are turning against people. Uh, it seems like that people are turning against the government. When you look at Scripture, the Bible says we're to pray for our leaders, those in authority. We're to pray for them. Whether you agree with them or not, God said honor the position. Honor that that title, that heading, that uh, that place of authority. So we are to honor our leaders. It does say whenever the wicked are in authority, when the wicked reign, the people mourn. Uh, I believe that there's a time we do mourn. That we don't have to like everything our leaders do, but we're not at war against our leaders. We're at war against the spiritual wickedness that's behind them, just like the spiritual wickedness that's behind. Uh, all the other wickedness that's in this world. Uh, Does that mean that humans are good? No, we are corrupt. We are altogether filthy. All our righteousness like filthy rags, but Jesus does love sinners. And since He loves sinners and He saved us, which were sinners, and He wants us to be a blessing to sinners, then we are to love the world as well. We are to love the people of this world and so we have to make a separation because it looks like we're surrounded by people that's our enemies, but actually we're surrounded by spiritual wickedness that use people like minions uh, to to do their bidding. And so not just Satan that we're up against. We're up against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. That's, that's the kind of things we're facing. So Jesus taught us to forgive. Forgive Uh, you think about the ones that crucified him. He looked down upon the people and he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. In other words, Satan has these people doing his bidding. And so forgive them, forgive the person because they know not what they do. They're deceived by the evil one. They're deceived by the true enemy. And so you think about that in practice. Peter was used of the devil, and Jesus showed us that Peter was exactly that. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. So I said, well, he called Peter Satan. He did in a sense, but really he was talking through Peter to the actual enemy. Get thee behind me, Satan. Peter was being used by Satan at that moment, and so the Lord was dealing directly with the enemy that was the the culprit. And so you think about Job's wife. She was used at one time to do the devil's bidding and try to get Job to, to mess up, to dishonor himself, to, to really dishonor God. And, you know, why maintain that integrity? You know, curse God and die. That, that's a statement. He said, that's, that sounds like the foolish women. That sounds like people that's always been used to the devil. That don't sound like my wife. Uh, that would be talking to me like that. And so you think about Eve. You go back all the way to the Garden of Eden, and you find Eve and how she was tempted and deceived by the devil. If you look at the the spirit that was there, no doubt uh, there's a spirit behind all that that caused her to sin. So she gave in, I believe, because of the pride of life. I believe that's what she wanted to be like God. Whenever Adam come along, he was tempted in a different way. He was tempted by the lust of the flesh, I believe. He was tempted because Eve was good looking. She was his bride and she meant more to him than God. And so I think a lot of times, this is going to sound a little bit harsh. I hope it don't sound that way, but it might. But a lot of times, God expects men to do the leading. And rather than do that, they look to their wife. And their wife does the leap. That's what took place with Adam and Eve. She made a decision and he followed her because she meant more to him than God did. Otherwise, he would have done what God said. So there's always a spirit. That's what we tried to look at last week, the spirit behind it all. Uh, and we took a look at trying the spirits. We're trying the spirit by the word of God. If you ever have a question, if you're doing what God wants you to do, try that decision that you're about to make by the word of God. You know, I'm angry and I'm about to fly off the handle. What, what should I do? We're trapped by the Word of God. Don't believe every spirit. You can be angry and not sin. You can be angry and oh, you, you can even be angry to a point. I, you look at Jesus, planted a whip, run people out of the temple. He was very angry at that moment. And so you can be angry and sin not. So we got to understand there's spirits that are there that are trying to deceive us and trying to get us to fall constantly. So this evening we've already looked at that. We've looked at being surrounded by these enemies. And uh, I pointed out in the beginning, we're sitting at the table. God prepares us a table in the presence of our enemies. And so being surrounded by them, there's more with us than there are with them. So even though we're surrounded by enemies, our enemies are surrounded by our allies. Thank the Lord for that. I'm not in this alone. I'm in this with God. And with God all things are possible. And if God be for us, who can be against us? So we're going to look a little bit closer to home uh, and and look a little bit inside of ourselves here this evening. You know, surrounded by your enemies. If we're busy looking outside, if we're not careful, what will fail to realize is that enemy will slip past our defenses and he'll work at us from the inside. He'll, uh, it's not the water on the outside of the boat that sinks the boat. It's the water that gets on the inside. It's not necessarily the enemies that are outside. The devil can't make me do anything, but if he can get a hold of my flesh, and I say, what are going to deal with? Uh, I want to deal with that thought of the flesh. You think about there's a great battle. I'm trying to think. I believe it was the Greeks. The Greeks that come up against the city of Troy. Now You have to remember, I'm thinking all the way back to high school at this point. So Some of it I'm a little rusty on, but I believe it was the Greeks that come up against the city of Troy. The great city of Troy was a walled city and was supposed to be unbreachable. And The Greeks come up against that, and they realize we can't get through these walls, and so they come up with a plan. Y'all know what the plan is, according to history. Uh, Even you young people know about the plan they come up with. They made this great big old wooden horse, great big old statue that could hold many soldiers inside of it. And they made what we know of as the Trojan horse. And they left that Trojan horse there and they pretended like they had left uh, the shorelines of Troy. They they, they, they hid or they went uh, beyond the horizon uh, and all of Troy felt like, well, we've won the battle. They've retreated. And they brought this great big old statue of a horse inside their walls. And uh, you know the story from there. Inside that statue or that... Uh, That monument that was built, that Trojan horse was soldiers that got out at night. They went, they opened the city walls up, and they let the enemy come in, uh, you know, like that. And so tonight, that's what I want to do, is I want us to kind of look at and expose our Trojan horse, if that makes sense. We're looking at the enemy surrounding us, but now they've gotten into us, and let's look at the Trojan horse. Uh, that, that only expose for us. James chapter 1 verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So the moment you got saved, there's a part of you that's perfect. The when the Lord come in, He saved you. That's the the soul uh, cannot be more saved than it already is. It is saved and sealed into the day of redemption. And the Holy Spirit comes in and abides within us. And, and so, child of God, that's what you are. The Bible says. That you are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit abides within you. There's a perfect part of you. But there's also that old fleshly side of you. And that fleshly side, I want you to see it as kind of like the Trojan horse. That uh, it is something that you feel like, well, it's on my side. It's not going to do me any harm. But it does us more harm than anything else. You are tempted when you're drawn away of your own lust and entice. Now, I believe this, that God's people, uh, churches, the world over, that we've gotten a lot more comfortable with our flesh than we used to be. Used to be men were a lot more humble than they are today. Used to be people depended on God a lot more than they do today. But you see a lot of people, so-called Christians, maybe even Christians, that seem like just always dependent on their flesh. You know, it's, it's... Proud of themselves and uh, they, they talk about willpower and, you know, I can do things and uh, all of that. And so I want you to hear what the Bible says about it. We're told, have no confidence in the flesh. If you are going to live in this life and overcome the enemies that you are surrounded by, what you're going to have to realize is you're going to have to completely, totally surrender to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit lead you in this battle. Whenever the Lord told us to suit up, He said, put on the spiritual armor. He said, put on, you know, take the helmet of the salvation and take on the breastplate of righteousness and have you, uh, you, your loins girt about with truth and your feet shod with the preparation of gospel peace and take the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He said, you're going to war against the spiritual enemy and you need to suit up with a spiritual warfare. You're never going to face this world and survive these battles that we go through on your own willpower. You're not just gonna make up your mind to do things right and you're gonna do things right. You're gonna to have to surrender yourself daily to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit lead you because of this Trojan horse that this fleshly man that is here that will allow the devil to come in at just at, at just any time. And so Paul said, Have no confidence in The flesh. Having to deal with the flesh is like knowing we have a Trojan horse. uh, uh, We have a part of us that's always ready to sabotage us. What does that mean? That means whenever your eyes see something that you know is not something you need to see, immediately do not have any confidence in your flesh. You have confidence in the Spirit of God and you trust God to help you out of that moment, that temptation. Whenever you get you begin to swell up with pride, you remember God hates pride. Therefore, the enemy has kind of crept in with that Trojan horse, and he's trying to attack me. And so, I'm going to have to surrender myself to the Holy Spirit of God. Otherwise, he's going to get to me. So, Paul said, "Don't give place to pride." He, he said, don't, you, don't think you can handle a little bit of temptation. Don't think, well, everybody else is doing it. I guess I can do it too. All these things are the flesh. The flesh, you know, oh, I, I can, I, I'm strong enough. I can handle a little temptation. No, you're not. You're not. Have no confidence in the flesh. Don't think your flesh is a little stronger than somebody else's flesh. Have no confidence in That flesh. Don't put yourself in a vulnerable position. Now, above all, this enemy is the one that we must stand fast in the faith against. We must stand in the power of Almighty God. I got some good news for you. How can the devil tempt you? How can you be tempted by these enemies that we surround you by? You know there's only three ways that the devil can tempt you. Now there's thousands of variations of how he'll do that, but there's only three ways he tempts you. These three ways: the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those three things. So if you always on guard that if this enemy it has his Trojan horse, my flesh, and my flesh lusteth to sin, and, and it, it is I, I can't depend on my flesh. Then whenever you see these three three things the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. When those three things come up, if you recognize that, what you do, you just spotted it in it. Now you turn to the Holy Spirit and you ask God for the grace you need to be able to overcome this attack that you you are under. You know what that means? That means what you just did, you took the shield of faith. And that shield of faith will quench that fiery dart that the devil has just flung your way. Ain't that a good thing? It's really not rocket science. It's just the devil's coming at you in three different ways, and it's got many variations. You think about the lust of the flesh, you think about maybe sexual sin, but it's also, uh, if we, gluttonous. Yeah, you know, that's the lust of the flesh. Whenever we, you know, just indulge to the point where we make ourselves sick. Oh, that, that's the lust of the flesh. Oh, you think about the lust of the eyes. It might be looking at some pretty woman or some good-looking man. It might be looking at some nice truck and you begin to covet covet that. And, you know, many variations. But there's three things the devil's going to do. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. He's been getting men to fall like this ever since the beginning. So the world's teaching us this. Just follow your heart. You can't go wrong. We've been taught that all our life. I remember still, hey, if you just follow your heart, you can't go wrong. You know what the Bible says about that? It says your heart is evil above all things. It is desperately wicked. Your heart is desperately wicked. So what does that mean? That means your heart is trying to deceive you all the time. And the devil knows that. That's the flesh. And he's saying, you know what? I can get this fellow to fall right here. So the only way that we can trust our heart is if we totally surrender ourselves over to the Spirit of God and let God lead our heart. Let Him try the reins of our heart. Look at Romans chapter 7. Real quick, Romans chapter 7. Everybody knows this. Paul was the man. Bible said he had finished his course. He had kept the faith, and because of that, has laid up for him a crown that fadeth not away. He said not only for him, but all those that love the Lord's appearing, all those that live a faithful life before God. There's a crown waiting on them. But Paul finished his course, satisfied. That he had done the will of God and because of that he was ready to claim his reward as soon as he went to be with the Lord or as soon as the Lord uh, presents him with that, that crown. And so it would seem in hearing that Brother Hollis, when I hear him make that statement look, I finished my course, I kept the faith there's a crown waiting on me. It seemed like that he was able to live in this life and the enemy had no kind of effect on him whatsoever. A lot of times when you read about it, the fellow he was shipwrecked, got washed up on shore. When he did, he was picking up firewood as a, as a prisoner, and a snake latched onto his finger, and he shook it off into the fire. It seemed like it never even faced him. He kept right on, he just kept on going. Snake bite me, I'm probably gonna shut down. That snake bite him seemed like it didn't even affect him. He just kept right on preaching. Kept right on going. So when I look at him, he did finish his course and he did keep the faith. And it seems like he never had any problem that the enemy never affected him whatsoever. They could stone him. He would get up out of the puddle of blood, walk back into the same people and preach to them again. That's what it seemed like. The enemy just didn't have no effect on Paul. He was above the enemy. But you know, that's not the case. You know the enemy he had to deal with that bothered him the most? It wasn't Caesar. It wasn't King Agrippa. It wasn't Felix. It wasn't them barbarians. It wasn't the people that stoned him. It wasn't the people that whipped his back multiple times with almost 40 straight or 40 save one. Oh, it wasn't that. What was not Any of those enemies. This is one he had a problem with. Romans 7 verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, now he's not talking about the spiritual man. He, he makes it very clear. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, after the spiritual man. But I see another law in my members warring. There's that battle. Warring against the law of my mind. There's your battleground. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. So here Paul just hatches it out. He said, listen, brothers and sisters, I'm just like you are. I want to do good and i mess up. And I don't want to ever mess up, but I find myself messing up said, so I look at this and I realize something. There is a war going on inside of me. There's a spiritual man that is trying to do the work of God. And then I've got this Trojan horse, this old flesh, that's allowing me to do things I shouldn't do. He said, look, whenever I'm doing the things according to the flesh, uh, it causes me to sin before I even can look you up. It, I, I, I sin without even almost without even knowing it. It just it, it comes almost natural to me. So Paul said, he said, Look, I don't have any confidence in the flesh. There within me, that is within my flesh, there is no good thing. Nothing good about my flesh. Nothing. How important is it for us to live a spiritual life? If you don't live a spiritual life, you have no choice but to live a carnal. A life that you, you'll be a hindrance in this world more than you'll be a blessing. So what a battle. Paul declares, "He said, look, I got good intentions and this flesh gets in the way. It, he, he would make costly mistakes because old Trojan horse. So I'm this, how do we win the battle? Paul decided this. He said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's how I'm going to win the battle. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm going to have to be spiritual. I'm going to have to look to Christ because I cannot deal with this this war that's going on with me. I can't win it in my flesh. So I've got to submit to the Spirit of God. Got to do that. So I know you've heard this before. I'm going to use it again because I'm going to plug it in. It fits just like it needs to. There's a story about an Indian man that come to an old preacher, and he said, preacher, he said, I got two dogs fighting within me. And the preacher kind of thought he was telling a joke. The old man was serious, but he thought he's kind of joking around. And so he kind of laughed. He said, well, which one's winning the battle? He said, whichever one I feed the most. As a child of God, you in a battle. As a child of God, I'm in a battle. I, I should have no confidence in this flesh. But here's what I find a lot of times with Brad O'Neill. That is, I will feed the flesh and I will starve the spirit a lot of times. When I should be doing exactly the opposite. Really. I should be starving the flesh because I, I shouldn't have no confidence in that flesh. I shouldn't be putting things in front of that flesh that to go to lust after. You, you know I, I shouldn't. I, I, I should be studying the Word of God. I should be looking to the spiritual things. And so I want to encourage you to do that because we are surrounded by enemies. And sometimes they get past our defenses and they are on the inside before we know it. That, that Trojan horse is done. Let in the devil and he's coming for a sneak attack and he got us. And it started with us having confidence in the flesh. Whenever we thought, I can handle this. I can handle that. I can handle being around this type of sin or that type of sin or whatever the case it may be. Next thing I know, there you are. You trusted the flesh. You're in trouble now. That's how we end up messing up. And so I want to encourage, look, none of us are perfect. I don't want you to think I feel like I am. None of us are perfect. We go. We're going to make mistakes, but I'm trying to help us to see how we can eliminate a lot of them. We got to realize we are surrounded by enemies, a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Devil's not playing. Don't think he's playing. He he's not playing. He's out to get fire. Well, brother Brad, I'm thankful I'm saved. Devil can't have me. He can have your influence. He can make you so useless as a child of God that when somebody looks at you, they laugh at you. Is what you mean? he can do. But he can also attack you, and you trust the power of Almighty God, and God bring you up to a place where you can be used as a vessel of honor and do the work of God. That's first song. <clears throat>